Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paul O'Chain. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hey, how y'all doing? Uh, I'm glad to be here today, and uh, hopefully you guys are doing well, too, as you listen to this episode. So, as always, y'all know we love bringing just amazing guests that are that are just killing it in, in their field, whether it be healthcare-specific or not. These are all things that you can apply to your business, to your brand, you know, to whatever it is that you've been sitting on that you just want to get out there and execute on. So this week is no exception. I'm actually very excited for this episode, man. I've been I've been following my man for a minute on Instagram and, and, and seeing him hustle and killing it in the real estate game. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce Mr. 99 Problems, but a deal ain't one, a real estate investor and mogul. My man, Blake Sanford. Blake, talk to us. How you feeling, man? Thanks for joining yo, us. Yo, yo, Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Peace to all the guys in the earth out there. So, man, we like to be respectful of your time, you know, and just hop right into it. So right off the bat, tell us, how did you get into real estate and why was it that you chose to pursue real estate? Now, I happen to just kind of fall into real estate. I always had goals of being a business owner and an entrepreneur. Every time a teacher would ask me what I wanted to be when I grow up, I just said a boss. I didn't know what it entailed, but I just knew I wanted to be a business owner. So the hometown that I'm originally from, I'm from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. I had a plan to save up about $10,000, buy a duplex, live in one side of the duplex, rent out the other side of the duplex to uh, live for free. And that's how I thought I could get into real estate because I just heard that all millionaires get it through real estate or have some type of real estate. So I'm like, okay, I need to be in real estate. I decided to move to Houston, Texas. And when I got down here, I actually realized that uh, my initial plan wasn't going to be able to work out for me in my new market. For one, I got a job and at that point, $10,000 was a lot. So I'm like, oh, it's going to take me forever to save up $10,000, like, I didn't know. And then for two, the market was a little different down here. I don't see too many duplexes. Where I'm from, there's duplexes and townhomes everywhere. They really look like that um, here in Houston. So then I just started to research different ways to get started in the real estate. And I found out about a, a method called wholesale, where you don't need any money, you don't need a real estate license, and you don't need any credit. 
to get started. So I was like, oh, that's right up my alley. And kind of just dabbled in it first. And then I quit my job. The way that I'm wired, I have to be all in at something or else I'm not going to really do it. But my job, certain things that I knew I should have been doing, I wasn't doing because like, I'm getting paid on Friday. So I'm doing that, just dabbling in it. Wasn't having any success. And then I was just decided to quit my job and go all in. I quit my job, got my first deal a few months later. And well, maybe like five or six months later. And ever since that, we've been rolling. First of all, I think that's mad dope. I think a lot of people always talk that real estate because I've always heard the same thing, you know, like with real estate, everybody's like, well, you know, under the, you know, you got to have the, 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 the streams of income and all that. But then like one of them yeah. definitely has to be in real estate. And the big problem I think is many of us like are aware of it, but so many of us have no idea where to even start. Cause you know, growing up, you know, until recently I was assumed like, yeah, I need to have like 20, 30, 40 grand saved up. And then, my version of like real estate was what I see on like HGTV. You know, what's HGTV. that? What's, you, know, <laughs> you know, what's that one show? Is it, is it, is it flip, flip, flip and flop, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, my mom loves it. I, I hate it. Nah, it's not, it's, it's, it's a time waster. <laughs> but, um, so I, I love the fact that you especially mentioned the wholesale because I was taking some notes and I think we're def- we're going to dive into that a little more and just kind of get a better idea. But just for the listeners, just to start y'all off, like, clearly you can tell this is about to be a good one because my man dove into it right off the bat. So now I want to ask you a few questions. That's okay. What would, what would be the top, if you had to give like the top three tips, right. To, to, to the youth or somebody who's getting in right off the bat into real estate, what, what would those tips be or what would you say to kind of put them in the right direction? Cause a lot of people are coming into this no idea what my, to do. my first my first tip would be to try your best to forget every single thing you were ever taught because especially in our community where we're raised a certain way and we're given a certain belief system and everything that we're basically raised up off of from since the time we could talk or before we could talk the real world and how everybody else is maneuvering in the world is moving on a whole different belief system of what we were traditionally taught. That's why so many people think, as far as real estate, oh, I have to have all of this money. My credit score has to be at this point. Whereas there's a whole other demographic of people that have the information that know none of that stuff is is needed in order to get started. So first, firstly, I would say try your best to forget everything you were ever taught and open yourself up to uh, acceptance of new information that may sound unrealistic to you. So that would be number one. Uh, Number two, I would say get started as quickly as you can. A lot of times people, um, and I've been guilty of this myself, you get caught up in what I call analysis paralysis. You try to learn every single thing about a, a subject or a topic or think that you have to be fully prepared when in order and as you guys know throughout your endeavors and through the podcasting, you learn as you as you're actively doing. I know like say for example uh, an old job of mine, I was a banker. They put me in two weeks of training before they even just set me out in front of the bank. 
just a regular banker, open up a checking savings account, give you a credit card, pay your debit card. Two straight weeks of training, then as soon as they put me out on the floor, when somebody just comes in and they're like, oh, can you change my debit card pin? I'm panicking, I don't know what to do, and they just taught me this for two whole straight weeks. It doesn't matter what I learned before, it's being actually out in the field. So you're gonna learn more through failures than through research. And three, I would say, um, if you're trying to get started in real estate, find good people to follow on social media. There's a lot of fluff out there. Social media is kind of scary right now because you can kind of portray yourself to be whoever you want to be, but actually find some genuine people on social media to follow and some people in your actual market to network with because it's easier to do something if you have a, a circling network of people that are doing the same thing versus you just out here trying to do something on your own and you have nobody to have any conversations with, nobody that can relate to struggles that you're going through and stuff like that. I love it, man. I want y'all that are listening to understand that this is not something just for real estate or just for healthcare or just for whatever, you know, brand or business it is that you're trying to build. But this is real for life in general. I think a lot of times what I've seen from young up and coming entrepreneurs and, and people that are interested in transitioning from a nine to five to, to their own business is just what you said. One of the things you said is that they don't act on, you know, right. um, and, and, I, and I love that. You said analysis browsing, right? That, that, that's what you said? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, love, I love that word because I think I've fallen victim to that a lot of times before as well. And I kind of had to realize and adapt the mindset that if you're not acting on it, somebody else out there is going to act on it. And so mm -hmm. it's like either you get there first or they're going to get there first and you're going to be wishing that you had acted on it. So I love that, man. Uh, yeah. Just to add on to what you said real quick, there's a saying that I was told uh, when I was younger, there's, there's, no, there's no new idea under the sun. If you have an idea, somebody else has had the idea. Hundreds of thousands of people have probably had the same idea. It just comes off with who's going to act on it. No, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. So... So transitioning now, I, I want to ask you in terms of because you, you kind of you kind of debunked this this myth a little bit at the beginning when you were talking about your story, and you talked about the fact that with the wholesaling you don't have to worry about like credit and getting a real estate license and stuff like that. And so I kind of want to harbor on that because even from my experience and what I've seen, it's like a lot of people have this perception and this idea that, okay, I want to get into real estate. I need to worry about getting my real estate license. I need to make sure that I'm licensed and then I can go the allotted amount of time, become a broker. And then that's when I'll start making real money. So my question to you, being able to be successful, you know, in the lane that, that, that you're in without that license, what would you say to people who are you know, interested in getting a real estate license because they think that's the only way? Like, what would you say the pros and cons would be associated with that? There's nothing wrong with getting a, a license. A license can be beneficial to you. Majority of the people that do have licenses, they're realtors. You have to be a licensed under a brokerage to represent somebody and 
purchasing and selling a home. That's when you would need a license. As far as uh, people on the investment side of things, you don't need a license because say if you want, say if you just wanted to go buy a house, you don't have to go get a license to go buy a house, right? But the person representing you on your best behalf would have to be licensed. So if you just want to buy or sell a house, you don't have to be licensed. If you want to represent somebody in buying or selling a house, you have to be licensed. So in order to be on the investment side of things or in the wholesaling side of things, and in wholesaling, this is when stuff can get kind of gray in the wording. Wholesaling, you're not technically selling a house. When I wholesale a house, I'm not selling the house. I'm selling what they call equitable interest in a property. If I was selling the house, I would have to be licensed because it's kind of like you're playing the middleman. So let me break it down. So when you wholesale a property, you get a you get a property on the contract. Let's say I'm buying a house from you. I I meet you. Me and you, we come to an agreement that I'm going to purchase your house for $100,000. Now I have a contract saying that I'm going to buy your house for $100,000. Okay? I have a network of investors, whether they be house flippers, landlords, whatever. They're looking for great deals. So I come to this person and I say, hey, I had this deal for sale for $110,000. You say, okay. Now I have a piece of paper saying that you're going to buy this property for $110,000. But I have a contract with you saying that I'm going to buy your property for $100,000. When the deal closes, I get that $10,000 spread from the one ten to the hundred right here. So I didn't technically sell a house for you. I basically sold when I have a contract with you. That's called equitable interest. Even though I don't own your property, or I haven't bought it yet, I can I have con a certain control of their property under the time frame of this contract that I signed with you called equitable interest. If you say that we're going to close a month from now, in that month with that contract, I can basically do what I want with that contract. So I basically sold a piece of paper to this person for $10,000. It's called an assignment. I assigned my I assign my interest in this contract for $10,000 to this person to get the spread in the middle. So a, a lot of people don't know about that. So that's how you can get involved in real estate without any, I didn't bring any money to the closing table. I didn't have to get any credit for lenders or anything like that. I basically was just able to find the deal, negotiate that deal, and then assign my interest in that deal to somebody else for a fee. So, in essence, that's what wholesaling is. I just feel like I just got, like, the, the inside scoop on some stuff. <laughs> I'm here like, oh, damn, Lord, hold on now. Yeah, so okay. a lot of people have been using this strategy for a long time. And a lot of people, and a lot of people haven't known about it for a long time. Um, some people build businesses just off of wholesaling. Other people, but like myself, I use it as an exit strategy when it makes sense. So if it would make more sense for me to grab a quick wholesale fee in a couple of weeks, that's what I'll do. If it makes more sense to, you know, actually flip the property and get the bigger profits on the back end, 
I built myself up to have certain uh, access to certain capital through certain lenders and whatnot to where I can do that as well. But wholesaling, that's how you can get involved in real estate with no, no money, no license, no credit. I'm actually glad you, you pointed that out because that leads perfectly into the next question. And really kind of go deeper into this. Like, what are your thoughts on buying property and renting those properties out versus just like straight up flipping houses and I think that actually should be the goal. Myself, currently right now, I'm not in the process of holding a property just because I'm trying to build up my uh, my liquid capital to a certain point. And then once I get to that point, that's when I'm going to really be aggressive in holding properties. But that's really the game. That's where wealth is built. When you wholesale, wholesaling and flipping houses isn't building any wealth. All it is is getting some money. If you truly want to be wealthy, you want to own these properties and whether you lease them out to a tenant or in this day and age, you can make a lot more money through Airbnbs depending on the location than you probably could leasing it out to a tenant. But that's really the, the end goal in real estate. That saying when they say most millionaires become millionaires through real estate, it's not them flipping properties. It's that they own a portfolio and they're worth a million dollars. It's not that they have a million dollars in bank accounts. And the example that I I like to use is if you're playing Monopoly, you can't win the game of Monopoly just by passing go and collecting two hundred dollars. In that sense, that's what wholesaling is. You're getting a you're getting a quick fee. You're passing go. You're getting two hundred dollars. But to actually win Monopoly, you have to own those properties on the board and get the cash flow from those properties. In actual real estate, that's where the power. That's where the wealth comes from. Is you might have to charge us for this episode, man, because you're giving out too much. <laughs> you're giving out a lot of game, bro. <laughs> I, I, I'll invoice y'all when it's done. All right, bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to ask you now, when it comes to like a short-term lease versus a long-term lease, do you have a preference with that? What are your thoughts in, in terms of that? Uh, short-term leases at, at this moment, and like I previously said, I don't really have that many doors right now, but here in the short future, probably near the fall, I'm going to get into the Airbnb space. So short-term rentals, they're a lot more profitable than a long-term rental. So say, for example, if I had a house and I uh, leased that house out to somebody for, let's say, $1,200 a month, Mm -hmm. I'm only making $1,200 per month on that house or depending on if I use some type of financing, so which most people do. Um, that's why when uh, everybody panicked once the COVID situation hit because a lot of people weren't paying their rent. But yeah. a lot of these landlords, they still owe the mortgage on that. Mm -hmm. So regardless whether somebody's paying rent or not, they still got to pay their mortgage. So say if they're leasing out a house for $1,200, and their mortgage on that house is, let's say, $1,600. They're only making $400 a month on that house. So, whereas if you airbnb that property, let's say you could rent out that same property for $100 a night. And you're renting that house out, you know, let's say five to six nights a week. You're going to make way more money per month 
you know, on a long term lease. And so that's why the, the Airbnb space is a, is a really hot space right now. Um, I wish I could talk more on it. It's just that I don't, I don't really like this. I'm educated about it, but I don't really like to speak in a lot of detail on things that I'm not doing right now. Um, but if anybody out there is interested in it, if, you, if you're thinking of a rental property, look in the Airbnb and it can be a lot more profitable for you and an easier entry point into the Airbnb space or the short-term rental space is uh, what uh, one of my good friends calls rental, uh, rental arbitrage. You can lease out a unit, corporate lease out a unit, and rent it out. So you wouldn't ne necessarily own the property. You could go lease out a unit in an apartment building. Say the, the rent in that apartment building is $1,000 a month and then go lease out that same unit in an apartment building for like 90, let's say $90 a day, $100 a day or something like that. You're making money through real estate, you're making passive income and you don't own the property. All that you did was just lease out an apartment building somewhere in a, in a desirable location. Yeah, oh, hi. We got to chat after this. That very thing is actually, I kid you not, right before we got on this episode, um, I was talking to my lady, about doing that very thing because we know somebody who has a property and that's not the point the point is like that's actually insane that you say that because like that's i was just like on that like yo what what would that look like um yeah, so and, that's, and that's easier to scale as well because the entry point your only startup cost will be you know the cost of the lease security deposit furnishing the apartment building or the townhouse or whatever kind of whatever it is furnishing it you know internet utilities that's a lot cheaper startup cost than actually buying a home if that home needs renovations, you know, finding contractors, managing contractors, doing the whole rehab, refinancing out of whatever money that you use to buy it. So uh, that's an easier entry point. And then on a larger scale of things, if you just pay attention to everybody that's really winning, and that's why a lot of people are winning in the Airbnb space, is that I like to study I like to study people, but I like to study companies as well. Amazon's killing. Amazon doesn't own any of the products that they sell. Uber's killing. Uber doesn't own one car. Airbnb's killing. They don't own a single house, a single property. So somebody on a smaller scale could use the blueprint from the larger company that's already laid out. Oh, Airbnb doesn't own anything. I can go lease out a bunch of units. I don't own them, but I'm making money. Airbnb making money from me. I'm making money from them. The person that actually owns the property is making money. Everybody wins. Nah, he really is putting us on game, bro. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so how long how long did it take you to get your first deal? Because obviously at this point you've enticed us so much that I know somebody listening is like, Well, I mean, what was it like for you? So how long did it take you to get your first deal and what was your thought process at the same time, especially in order to like not get too confident or get too cocky in the process? Right. I, I actually count from, I count my starting point from when I actually quit my job because I didn't take it serious until I quit. And I'm not recommending anybody do that. I'm just saying this is, this is what I did. Because looking back on it, I quit my job way too early before I should but from the point where I quit my job and I actually took it serious and was consistent with it, it took me six months. 
Now, I know people that got that first deal in a way shorter time. I know people that have gotten that first deal in a, a longer time. But from when I actually took it serious, it took me six months. From when I was playing around with it, probably took me, like, counting that six months, like a year and a half. But that's just because I was researching. I'm reading. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm I paid for this course, and then I paid for that course, and then I, I have all this knowledge, but I'm not applying, and I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and then once, let's say, I researched it for four or five months without even going into it, so that's all going into this big time frame that I'm telling you about, so half of it, I'm just sitting around on my ass at home on the computer not doing anything. But once I actually took it serious and was at it every single day, it took me six months to close. So probably about five months to find the first deal and another 30 days to, to close it. And uh, my first deal, I made uh, $16,500. Wasn't even going to ask that, but hey, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Hey, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was happy, man. I was like, yeah. I just made like 90,000. Did the numbers. 
I I I got I got to calculate. I literally just sat here and I said, "Hold on, my man made like a hundred over a hundred grand on the same deal you made sixteen on." Yeah, that's why my friend was like, "Nah, you should have called me." <laughs> I, I laugh about it now, but I was hurt. I was hurt about it for a couple of days. I don't want to go through that. I'll be hurt. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was I was sick off of it. If, if what I know now. What I would have done is, and, and this is some more game for you guys uh, as far as long term, because the game in real estate, the long term plays well through ownership. What I would have done, I wouldn't even have flipped it if I know what I know now. I would have bought it for, oh, let me grab my cat because I'm not good at math. I would have bought it for the 13.5, right? Let's say he, I know he put 30 into it. Me at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I probably would have got. I probably would have some contractors would have probably got over on me on some stuff. Let's say I probably would have spent like forty thousand on the repairs, right? I'm all in at fifty three five, fifty three thousand five hundred dollars, right? Instead of flipping it for the one forty and taking all that profit, what I would have done is go to a lender. This is what the knowledge I have now. A lender, I would have refinanced with the lender. I would have went and got a thirty year mortgage on that house. A lender would have, most lenders on the properties like that, depending on who you're dealing with, they'll give you 75 to 80% of what the house appraises for. That'll be your mortgage. That's where, let's let's say, let's use 80% for an example. That's where the belief where people think they have to have 20% for something because a, a bank could give you 80% to come with the 20, right? So let's say that house appraises for 140 and I go get a 30 year mortgage on it at 80%, a bank's gonna give me a mortgage of $112,000, right? I just said I'm all in at 53,500, right? So with that mortgage of 112, if you subtract the 53,500, that equals $58,500, right? That would have been my profit if I refinanced it. This 58,500, it's tax free because it's not income. It's a it's a loan. So basically, if I would have if I would have bought that house for thirteen five, put fifty into it, been all in at fifty three five hundred, go take a mortgage for one twelve. That clears off whatever my money was in. The difference is it's fifty eight five hundred. That's to put in my pocket. That's tax free because it's. It's not income. It's all I did was refinance. Whether I bought it cash or say I got some loan on the front end for it, all I did was refinance out of it. They call it a, a cash out equity. Cash out with all the equity. Now have a loan balance, a mortgage balance of one hundred twelve thousand. Pocket this fifty eight five in my pocket and still own the property and would have been cash flowing from that property for the past four years now. And you would have Airbnb that joint. Well that that area, I'm not sure I'm not oh. sure if Airbnb would have been a would have been a good spot, but yeah. whatever whatever I wanted to do, I know at the time rent out there was like like around eleven hundred. So with a one twelve a hundred twelve thousand dollar mortgage is is not a big mortgage and a low interest rate. I'm sure it wouldn't have been that that much of a you know mortgage payment so i would have been cash flowing like crazy 
And let's say even years later, if I did get hit to the Airbnb game and it is a good location for like would have been getting paid after after a while too. But I got my little sixteen five and <laughs> skipped on down the road ahead. <laughs> <laughs> man, I my heart was hurting for you as you were telling us the, the rest of that, man, because that's that's insane, you know, but but even just you know, hearing you talk and, and, and just seeing where you started and where you are now, you know, it's one of those things where you just end up being like, well, I charge it to the game, you know, but, but yeah. I, I think, I, yeah, you know, but I think it's it just where you are now, man, it's, it's, it's amazing regardless. And I, I want to ask you, because I, I noticed that you did, you did this week on Instagram, which I thought was a, was a dope concept, by the way, the whiteboard Wednesday. Um, right. And I, I wanted to see if we could if we could get you to verbalize that for listeners who may not have seen that post, as well as, you know, anyone who just is thinking from an aspect of like, all right, I don't again, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it. Like you don't need all this money. You don't need credit. You don't need a real estate license to be able to go into, you know, uh, wholesaling like 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 you're doing. But mm -hmm. if so, my question to you and, and you can you can do it like how you, you said on IG. I know this might be a little bit different because I, I think on IG you use $50. But mm -hmm. if you lost it all today, what would be your process to to build your business back up? Yeah, so just like how I said in wholesome where you don't need money, just in general entrepreneurship, period. That's why I like to, even though I'm mainly real estate focused right now on my social media, I drop a lot of different gems just about things in general because just like I'm sure you guys have experience um, with trials and errors in different avenues I do the same like real estate wasn't the first because you know entrepreneurs were, were wired to try to figure out something on their own just for me I just happened to find some success in real estate but I figured out through all these other things and especially certain things that I was doing starting out in order to try to get some money to market to find my deals for wholesaling. I was doing other things as far as selling clothing items, uh, flipping free stuff on Craigslist and whatnot. So if I was, if I lost it all today, and this ties into what you were talking about on the whiteboard Wednesday, uh, the example I used was somebody reached out to me and they asked me, what would I do if I only had $50 to my name to make money? They were saying they don't know how to make money. And I told them what I would do is, I know this because I've done this. We'll go on Craigslist. A lot of people, they don't think of Craigslist as a destination for anything. Like I sell, I sell houses on Craigslist. I've met people that uh, I found houses to buy on Craigslist. I've met, I've formed relationships with people to fund my deals and, and cash buyers to buy houses off of Craigslist. So like I'm a fan of Craigslist. So if I lost it all, I would go on Craigslist. Um, I will go to the for sale section in Craigslist. Under the for sale section, there's a section that's listed uh, free. In the free section, all it is is just people posting items that they don't want anymore. They're not even trying to sell it. They're just trying to get rid of it. Sometimes people just have clutter in their house that they're just trying to get rid of. Sometimes people are moving, want to get rid of stuff. Me, I've even cleaned out houses by listing stuff on the for sale sign. Say, I, I get a house on a contract or a property that I'm uh, about to buy and the previous seller, I mean, the previous owner left a bunch of stuff in the house 
I post everything up on Craigslist. So I post an ad in the free section saying everything must go. Uh, come on Saturday from nine to noon. Bring your own truck, whatever. And I've gotten the entire houses cleaned up just off of people coming to pick up stuff for free on Craigslist and it saves me money. I don't have to hire a crew to come in and move everything and dispose of everything. People are just doing it for me just because they want to come get the coffee table that's right there, the refrigerator, the microwave. So I would go on Craigslist to the free section, scroll through, see what I find desirable on there, go pick them up myself. And then I will go sell these items on Facebook Marketplace and uh, a website called OfferUp. And then people will buy these things. You have no startup costs because you just went and got everything for free on Christmas. And you could easily make a couple hundred bucks in a weekend off of, off of doing this. So that's initially what I would do if I, so if I just need some quick cash for just for survival purposes, that's what I would do. And that model that I just used to flip and free stuff, it's recyclable. You can do it again, you can do it again, you can do it again. Say if you go make $200 on a weekend by doing that. You know, that's a, that's a couple bills. That's a phone bill, that's a utility bill, that's, you know, some groceries for the week, you can do that. And I also know, know people that have built an actual business out of that. They just turned into resellers, started off flipping stuff for free, and now they just go and buy stuff, whether it be, I know young guys, I got a, I got a young kid that I'm got the relationship with. He's like 18 or 19. He just goes to Walmart and little stores and he'll take his scanner or his phone, look up and see what stuff is selling for on eBay or something or Amazon that he comes across. He sees something in Walmart costs $4. It's selling for $12 on Amazon. He buys it and goes sells it for like $12 or something like that. So. That would be the, the initial thing that I would do if I had nothing and then that money that I would be making from that, then that's when I would try to get back into flipping it to do something else, whether it be buying a course or finding a mentor to teach me some things just to, you know, slump the learning curve or something like that. Or then I would try to do something with that money. But initially you gotta do something to get the money if it's starting from zero. That's real. That's real. I can't even express, you know, just how important it is, you know, for, for the listeners to just kind of take that. Cause, and here's a big thing too. Um, I just want to take a moment to kind of stress out because most of our listeners are in healthcare. Most healthcare professions, they don't, they don't really teach you to kind of like get out there. You, you go to school, you get an education and then you like execute on the skills you learn in school and that's it. There, there is no like kind of out of the box thinking. And those that do out of the box thinking, man, they're the ones that are like, Oh my goodness, I wish I could be like that person, right? Yeah. And and what I love um about what you're saying is like it's almost like forcing yourself to to realize like real life requires real action. And everything is not just gonna be the textbook. You you just can't open it up to like page 30 and be like, Well, this is what I need to do here, 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 here. You have, to, right. you have to find a way. And entrepreneurship is about that. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. I tell yeah. you, entrepreneurship is about that. You know, um, for the listener, like if you find yourself trying to figure out because the whole point of this podcast is to um expose you not just to what it's like to be a healthcare entrepreneur but understand like the other avenues that you can take while still being and you think right Right. i'm a firm believer because not everybody can just do the all-in thing 
Right. Not, it's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. You know, so, that's and, and, I, and I don't recommend most to do. Oh, they'll put them into a spiral. I, I tell I tell people my story, and they they might get inspired off over the thing. But I'm like, no, I'm just saying what I did. I I wouldn't recommend that you do that. Use your job. Don't quit you your can, job. You can use your job. You can do, and especially in this day and age with the internet and whatnot, you could do something part time. And, and make six figures off of it or exactly. you know a lot of people that work a nine to five they'll work all year and i'm not i could be wrong with the numbers but i think what typically at the end of the year you get like a two or three percent raise or, or i don't know they give i know i know a lot of jobs like they they might give a little small raise like to try to keep up with inflation or something towards the, the end of the year so i'm like you might have a job and all year and then get a three thousand dollar raise on the whole year for the next year i'm like in certain stuff you can say if you want to go do that one or two months out the year for most people you know say you make an extra five ten thousand dollars a year or say if you want to wholesale a lot of people just be like oh, i want to do it full-time like i'm like well let's say you just do one deal in the whole year and make ten thousand dollars that's life changing a lot of people get caught up in the glitz and glamour of millionaire. I don't know what, what this millionaire thing came from, but one percenters, like I, I asked on Instagram a long time ago, I'll probably ask it again here soon since I'm thinking of it now. Most people, I put up a poll or something, I asked a question. And I was like, what do you think a one percenter is? How much money do you think a one percenter makes? And I was getting back, oh, 10 million. Five million, I'm like four hundred thousand. To be in the top one percent of America, you have to make four hundred thousand dollars. That's achievable. That's doable. And a lot of people in the healthcare profession, I know those are, are well-paying jobs. So say if somebody has a six-figure job, they're not that far away from the one percent. And if you're in the one percent of America, imagine what that puts you in the world. It's like you. Yeah, you're really doing okay out here, but it just seems like, and especially in our culture, I don't, I don't know what it. Well, I do know what it is, but I don't want to get into it. But we get caught up in the glitz and glamour of flashy and shiny things, and we have these goals to obtain that. When in actuality, it's the guy that's driving a Volkswagen station wagon with the ripped up jeans and the thong flip flops on. They got like a two million dollar network, and the guy that says like thinking he's all that and he doesn't even have like ten thousand dollars to his name. I know because they, they DM me asking I ask stuff and they don't got it. I'm like, bro, you got the you know, you got the Ferragamo jeans uh, belt and the chain and and the BMW. Oh my God. You you're killing me right now. No, that's real though. It's like honestly and, and you you do bring up a good point. You know, for my next question, you do bring up a good point and just even like the whole purpose of why you're doing this to begin with. I personally know way too many people kind of like, I mean, I don't know anybody because folk ain't coming to me like buying Ferragamo and all that, but you know, you know, people come like, what do you think? How do you do this? And I'm just like, just do something. Try well, something. I just know some of those guys might message me on Instagram because yeah. just, because I know who I'm trying to hit with my message. Right. And I know the people that I'm trying to get to get the information, they're into the shiny. They're into the shiny things. So, and I'm a, I don't like to do it, but just for 
what I feel my purpose is in, in this, I have to do it from time to time. So I'll show a big check on Instagram. And I just made $24,000 because I know who I'm trying to get to. That's what they, that's going to get them. If I show them that I have a rental property that makes $400 a month, that's not going to, that's not going to grab them. So that's why I know I get messages from some of those guys from time to time because they'll see, oh, he just made 20, hey, what'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. And then say I get to, I get to converse with these people and I'm asking like what the financial situation is or if they ask for, last year I did a, a mentorship program, an actual one-on-one mentorship program. I knew it was going to be really time consuming just because of who I who I am, like I'll take that serious. And I uh, I had to charge them because obviously I'm going to charge for my time because I'm taking time away from my business to help you along the way. Uh, I took on four students. Three out of four were successful. One guy, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I don't know if he really knew what he was getting into. But anyways, I think that's a pretty good success, right? Three out of four, 75%. So when I told certain individuals about like the, the price of the mentorship. Oh, I don't get that. And that's when I go to the page and I start to scroll. I'm like, but you drive a BMW, you got on a chain, you showing these belts, you got the uh, bottles of uh, Don Julio 1942, you showing the money. I'm like, but you don't got, you need to get your, uh, put, put a little different thing into perspective. You gotta restruct. You gotta restructure your priorities. At that point, uh, let me ask you this because you kind of like alluded to it a little bit. Not the mentorship specifically. For those who don't know, you do have the course, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so I just dropped the, uh, my first course Father's Day weekend. Uh, okay, Father's Day. So, kind of thinking about it, if you kind of give us a look, just a quick look into the course, what it looks like how you structured it, and then like what you want somebody to achieve um, after kind of going through it. What would that be? Okay. So basically the course, the course is called 99 Problems, but it still ain't one. So I'm, I'm basically giving you 99 ways on how to find a deal. It's a series of videos. It's 30, 31 videos that teach you how to basically get into the wholesaling where I was talking about earlier. You know, basically flipping the houses with no cash, no credit, no license. It, uh, the video series teaches how to do that. Amongst different things as far as like negotiating with your uh, sellers, negotiating with your buyers, uh, how to build rapport with certain people. Um, it's a course, a series of videos teaching things like that. And then it also comes with an uh, ebook. The ebook is what breaks down the 99 different ways on how to find a deal. Um, so I basically break down 99 different ways on how to get a deal. And each topic covers some details on how to find it. And then it also comes with the actual contracts that I use to lock up these properties and to sell these properties. So you'll be confident when you do get something on the contract that at least the verbiage in both of your contracts are fine to, uh, to keep you safe and non-liable. Say if everything hits the fan and it all goes wrong, you can just walk away clean, not losing nothing, no litigation or anything like that because of the contracts. My reasoning for doing it was just because 
like I said, I did the mentorship program last year, three months, four people. I'm like, I can't help that many people one-on-one. So I came up with the courses because my messages get flooded daily asking questions about stuff. So I'm like, here, I can direct you to the course. This can't help you. I can't hustle for you, but I can at least give you the knowledge to go out there and get it. And then now you can ask me more specific questions when you do actually reach out through social media or whatever means that you meet me through once you have a concept of something versus just saying, how do I get started? Well, here's how you get started. And that could spark an interest in whether you want to wholesale, flip houses, rentals, Airbnb, whatever you want to do in real estate, it all starts through finding a deal. And that's the basis of wholesaling. Wholesaling is kind of like the foundation of real estate. If you know how to find a deal, you can do whatever that you want to do with the property. You don't have to wholesale it, but if you're able to find a deal at 60% off, hey, that's, that looks like a great deal to keep long-term for a room. So that's, that's really why I came up with the course, just because I can't help that many people one-on-one and just to pass the knowledge on the people and spark the interest in doing stuff. And actually, today, I'm, I'm kind of on a high today. Yesterday, I had somebody message me. They just got a property on the contract that's set to close. I think in 10 days from now, they're going to make $12,000. And then today, I wake up to a message, uh, a young woman, uh, she reached out to me. She just got the check for $15,000 today. So I'm like, that's two for two in two days. They just made Combine $22,000 off of probably some information that they've gotten from me through social media over a while and researching stuff for themselves and buying my course online. That, that kind of feels better to me than, than doing it myself. I played ball. When I played ball, even though I could dunk and stuff, I kind of got more hype when I threw the lob to somebody else. Jumping up like I... I might dunk the ball, do something, just run back down the court, but I'm hyped, like off the throwing the lives. So I woke up in a good mood this morning. I'm like, it's two for two, two people just got five figures. Like, I'm doing something right, at least. Oh, sounds people like getting it. something from it. Yeah, people getting something out of it. No, I love that, too. I love that, too. You know, you moving past, like, just the satisfaction of doing it yourself to not seeing other people, like, attain that same level of freedom, I'll call it. That, that you've been able to give yourself, which I think is a lot sweeter too. Yeah, and, and I feel and I feel that's what we should do just in general. Uh, I have a saying that I say, no crabs. It means uh, no crabs in a bucket. No crab in a bucket mentality. People never heard that before when uh, if you put crabs in a bucket when they're trying to get out, the crab beneath them will pull them down. When, if you think about it, it would take that same amount of energy for the crab getting out to, to pull the other crab up. And I know that I'm not self-made at all. There's been many people to, to help me out with knowledge, uh, give me game on stuff. So I feel like it's only right to, to pass it on to the next person. And like my mentors did it to me, mentors that I have from afar. Uh, I'm like a huge Nipsey fan. Like got on Nipsey Hustle in like 2009 and just through his music and interviews and all this stuff. I'm like he's giving me so much game and giving so many people so much game on stuff. It's like if you do have the knowledge to somebody and if you if you do have the knowledge and if you have an abundance mentality, 
you should feel comfortable passing it on to people because all it's really going to do, and if you believe in the law of attraction, which I do, it's just going to come back to you and you're going to be okay off of it. And uh, what I was trying to tell another friend of mine, he really doesn't like to give out information to people. And uh, I was telling him, and which is a downside of it as well. I could go tell a hundred people in my market right now exactly what I do on a day-to-day, every single thing, give them everything, no secrets. Probably only one of them is going to, one or two of them is going to actually act on the information. So it doesn't hurt to share the information because the majority of the people, they're not going to act on it anyway. And the one or two that do, they're going to feel indebted to you and possibly do business with you. I know people that have helped me out in my mentors. As soon as I have some type of opportunity to make some money or a deal that I know that they would like, they're the first people that I'm calling just off of. I feel like I owe it to them because I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I love that, bro. And I and and you actually talk about throwing alleys. You actually threw an alley into what my last question was going to be for you. I think this is a, is a really good way to end it too because Man, Nip is a legend. Just his name will live forever. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and just all the lessons and everything, you know, that we're still able to, to hear through his interviews and through his music still on a day-to-day basis is crazy. So um, my last question that I had for you, man, with you being such a big fan of Nipsey Hustle, what what are some ways his words and lyrics translate into your work ethic and real estate life? And also, how has he, like, inspired you directly in both your life and business? And like you said, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So no matter what, and, and Nipsey and any successful person that you see, I know success is relative, but everybody has their own definition of it. The only thing that separates people from succeeding and not succeeding is quitting. So through Nipsey's journey, it was easy, easily relatable to me from, from one where I come from, and for two, just being an athlete, it's kind of like that grind, that daily grind, that underratedness, that you got to get up in the morning and go get it every single day. Like I said, I found out about Nipsey in 2009. His first album didn't come out until 2017. And I've been hearing him talk about Victory Lap, which he named his first album since like 2012 or something like that. So I'm like, that takes a certain level of mental fortitude to be able to stay down and see the course through something and be willing to to die on your own sword in the sense of this has to work or it's not going to work. It's no plan B to it. So I take that mentality in myself. There's no plan B to this if if I have a plan B, it's another way to make plan A work. Okay, I'm trying to get the plan A. I went this route. That didn't work. Let's figure out some some other way to get right here. So that's the main thing that, that Nipsey taught me. I didn't have anybody that I personally knew that was giving me those type of life lessons. Um, so he was just somebody that I that I attracted to him and felt magnetized to because his and it wasn't just his message, it was actions. He was giving if you really pay attention, he was laying a blueprint. 
if you really pay attention to a lot of people out here, they're actually laying blueprints and actionable steps that you can follow to, you know, to get to a final destination. And uh, I tell people all the time, I have a college degree, but I learned more alone from Nipsey Hussle, looking at Jay-Z, looking and listening to Jay-Z, and from uh, street dudes from back home than I ever learned in college with a marketing degree with a professional sales concentration. I learned more from Nipsey, Jay-Z, and a bunch of street hustlers from back home than I, I ever did in college. That was, <laughs> that was, a, that was a, a perfect way to end it, man. I don't think I, I, I could have asked you any, you know, any other question really that would have ended it so well. And it, it, it's very evident, you know what I'm saying? Like it's very evident in, in the way, the way you hustle and, and the way you carry yourself that, that you are applying those principles. And I mean, even, even the name of your course, man, that's, that's hove right there. 99 deals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 99 problems, but a deal ain't one, you know, like that. Yeah. So, so man, just first off, bro, let me say thank you for, for hopping on. This episode is going to be powerful for, for a lot of people. Thank you for that, man. Thank you for, you know, coming on and, and dropping those gems. Uh, we'll, t- we'll, we'll take care of the invoice after we're done recording. But, uh, <laughs> but, but really, man, you know, hey, man, we appreciate I, I appreciate, you. I appreciate y'all having me, man. I, truly, I, I felt honored when you, when you reached out to me to have me on your, on your podcast. Man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, 100%. So, Blake, before I let you go, if you could, like, for anyone who is listening, you know, and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be, like, some social media or contact info that you would want to leave with them if they wanted to reach out? Uh, it's it's Aston CEO across the board, uh, A-S-T-E-N-C-E-O. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram. I just, I just found my way back into Twitter a few weeks ago. I'm starting to follow back in love with that. So at Aston CEO across the board. Perfect. Thank you, man. So to our lovely listeners, we appreciate y'all. As always, you could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be right here listening to us. If you got value from this episode, which I know you got value from this episode, please go leave us uh, a review, a five-star review, might I add. Subscribe, share. Um, we love the messages we get from y'all individually on, on our separate uh, social media platforms as well as our combined one. So just keep that coming. We do this for y'all. We do this for the hustlers. So with that being said, until the next episode, peace and many blessings. Love. Stay dangerous. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by the Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.